Code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. Thanks for joining us for Minute 15 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. In the previous minute, Mr. Smith has snuck aboard the Interceptor and was engaging in a battle of wits with Murtaugh and Mulroy, who do not believe our pirate's name is Smith and told him not to lie about his purpose in Port Royal. To which he replied that he plans to commandeer one of these ships, pick up a crew in Tortuga, rape, pillage, plunder, and otherwise pilfer his weaselly black guts out of there. Minute 15 begins with Murtaugh saying, I said no lies, as Mulroy chimes in that he thinks Mr. Smith is actually telling them the truth. The minute ends with a shift in scenes as we now find ourselves in Fort Charles, overlooking the sea, after Norrington just asks Elizabeth for a moment alone. Norrington says, You have become a fine woman, Elizabeth, after professing to her that with his promotion something is obviously missing from his life's plan. Dot, 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 marriage. Oh, no. This isn't the right person. She's in love with Will. That's true. (laughs) She even has the pirate medallion on to, I think, there's a symbol of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's not only a symbol of freedom, I think that is a symbol of, because she got it from Will, I think that's also something of Will's that she holds to her heart. Well, she put her hand on her chest when she seen him. Exactly. Tune in, everybody, to previous minutes to hear our discussion on that. (laughs) So we're back with our comic relief trio again. And then at the end of this minute, we'll go to the royal party to see Elizabeth and Commodore Norton. So we actually get more than just three people in this minute. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) So our trio is still on the ship trying to figure out who the pirate really is and what he has to do in Port Royal. And they don't want to hear any lies from him. Exactly. (laughs) forget the lies don't tell us lies even though we know your name is a lie exactly (laughs) so this is where our verbal jujitsu comes in again nice yeah i was already using my my sayings yeah i stole your phrase what do you think about that i don't know if i like it or not actually (laughs) the pirate tells the truth not about his name but why he's there murtaugh doesn't believe him but mulroy thinks that he may be telling the truth the pirate states unless of course he knew you wouldn't believe the truth, even if he was telling the truth. They look really confused with this statement. Exactly. I think this is getting back to what we were discussing between uh, Dread Pirate Roberts and Vizzini yesterday, where there's this confusion. Although he wasn't really engaging Dread Pirate Roberts. He was really engaging his own mind and trying to think yeah. about what's going on. So this is the same classic situation as you saw in Princess Bride and in a host of other movies played out here with these two guys. Yeah. And I think that it shows that Murtaugh, when he says, I said no lies, it it really is this likable naivety. And again, it's the chemistry between these two is really perfect. And so we see that he is naive. It's this, you know, fact that he also told him not to lie backs up his trusting nature. Yes. He heard about the legends of the Black Pearl that we saw in the last minute about what it was about, what the ship was about. And he believed those. And he said he actually seen it. Mm -hmm. And according to Mulroy... This is the stuff of legends. It's crewed by the dam and somebody so evil that hell hell itself spat him back out. 
that just sounds like stuff a legend that you wouldn't believe. If somebody told you that, if somebody said, hey, I just saw a ship that was crewed by the damned and a man so evil that hell itself spat him back out, you'd be like, okay, sure you did, buddy. <laughs> what movie did you watch? <laughs> exactly. And so I think that just shows that Murtaugh really has that naive personality. He's really yeah. likable and... and I think he just kind of goes along with that stuff. He just kind of believes whatever he's told. Exactly. Okay, yeah. And I think that, you know, this is really similar to, again, what we were talking about with Mulroy convincing him that the Black Pearl is not a real ship. And so Mulroy was able to whittle him down using, again, that argument, reductio ad absurdum. Well, actually, I think he just waved his wand and said, reductio ad absurdum. To change his mind. And, <laughs> and then I started thinking, or oh, was that a That's different movie. movie with wrong British fantasy movie. <laughs> people in it? So yeah, so that might be something else. But maybe he didn't like the one. I'm thinking maybe that was actually he was holding his musket with a bayonet on that. Reducto, wasn't that repair? Oh, that's Reparo. Was... Reparo Ocularis, or whatever it was. Yes. Oh, I just fixed my glasses. Nice. Good job. So yeah, I think that it really shows that these two are working well with each other. We don't. We don't know. We don't watch many movies or TV around here. Yeah, exactly. That's not shining through. Not at all. Yeah, so I didn't really have much on, on them. You know, after they they really get that response from Mr. Smith here, as, as the finger quotes again, uh, they get that confused look of, and then as you mentioned, uh, you know, whether they believe in it or not. But I didn't really have much for them at that, that stage. No, that was pretty much all. They were in the beginning of the minute and just the very beginning. Yeah. And then it kind of moves on to the party at the fort up there. Yeah, and speaking of that, I think it really is an interesting transition. And it works really well, actually. So we're left wondering what happens to Mr. Smith now, our pirate. You know, he just blew these guys' minds. And I'm not sure yeah. they really know what to do with him or or how to take that. Again, it's do we arrest him? Do we, you know, sit down and have tea with him? Do, you know, or are we supposed to just escort him off? I don't think that they really know what to, to what's what's the next protocol for this. I, I think that they're still not quite sure. You know, who is this character? So right then we're left with this kind of cliffhanger, if you want to call it that. And it's really only the two of them. Everybody else is up at the fort, and they're supposed to be guarding this ship, so they can't really leave the ship. That's a good point, to go actually. take care of Mister Smith here. Yeah, they don't and have a do radio they really or a need phone. to take care of Mr. Smith because he only said it. He's not doing anything. Well, he got on the ship, but other than that, well, they can get him off the ship, you know. Yeah, and I, in their there's minds, there's got to be other people around. I mean, there's plenty of people rowing boats out there, as we've said before. Oh yeah, they're in this minute too. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like it's, it's almost like the where's Waldo? It's where the where are the yeah. rowers? But yeah, so there's got to be more people around. I didn't see any, so I'm not sure where all the military people are, unless they are. They're all, all at, at the fort. fort. Yeah, but it's it's. It's like, these are the two you chose to leave yeah. to guard the ships that are out here? Really? You know, I'm starting to really wonder about Norrington's promotion ceremony. And I have some other things on that, too. But if your duty is to leave these two in charge, I don't know if your really promotion to, to Commodore is really up for you. I mean, although he probably isn't the one who's, who who put them in charge. Probably I'm sure not. he has people below that. But I'm starting to really question Norrington's ability to command this base here if he's leaving these two guys in charge. Well, maybe they just feel really safe there. Nothing's really happened. It's pretty safe. There's a lot of people about. Nothing nothing could happen. This is this is okay. We can leave these two goofballs. <laughs> And they'll they'll work it out. They'll just sit around and wait for the party to be over. And yeah, I mean you know. they're, they're not 
complete goofballs. I mean, they border really on the and being inept. They're they're right on that border of it because they do run after and hold them at gunpoint. Yeah, you know, if they were really inept, they would have tripped and fallen into well, the water yeah. and all that, and he would have been able to get away. So there is some. They haven't quite reached that level yet. But again, Norrington, if you're putting these two guys in charge, I'm really questioning your command here. So <laughs> that, that's just all I'm saying. <laughs> we see them, they're confused, and then boom, we go from this world where there's this level of absurdity. And we talked about how there had to be a level of absurdity for Johnny Depp's character yes. to live in this world or to be able to pull off the classic trickster character. So there had to be some level here. And that's why we have Norrington you know, or his people putting these two guys in charge of of watching the Interceptor, the fastest ship in the fleet. And you got these two guys doing that, which would be almost the envy of it. Or at least the fastest, yeah, the fastest ship in the fleet, maybe not the world because of the Black Pearl, if that's a real ship or legend or not. If you had other more straight-laced people there, it wouldn't work out as well. Yeah, for for our pirate here. Because they they would have been like, well, he would have shown up. He'd have been escorted off, or he'd be in shackles. So yeah, th- there's yeah. no there's no other craziness. So for the for the movie to work, you have to have that, and yeah. I think it really works well. Anyways. It does. There, you, these... you don't think about any of that. You see these two characters interacting. You see Jack's character, or now I said it again, spoiled it. You see <laughs> Mr. Smith or a pirate interacting. It all re- works really well. Then you're transferred to the fort mm-hmm. in this world where there, you know, as I mentioned, this level of absurdity that's happening with our classic trickster area. To a world of aristocrats. And it's a complete like contradiction to where we were just at. You know, there's a pirate. He has filthy hands. He has all his gear. He's trying to talk his way past a couple of well-meaning, you know, as I said, bordering on inept royal marines. And then we're in an area. We're in the fort. And there's string instruments are playing. Yes. Fabric, layers, fashion is in abundance. Oh, yeah. Wigs of all colors are ubiquitous. <laughs> there's grays. There's, you know, everything from white to gray to browns and stuff. You have refined language being used. Snacks like, being served on silver platters. Yeah, exactly. And and so you have two worlds that are separate but about to combine. And, you know, and as George Costanza said, you know, you can't have the two worlds combine. Something happens, you know, it, <laughs> it explodes. explodes. <laughs> or implodes or whatever he said. I wish I could remember that line right now so we could have another yeah, classic Seinfeld another reference Another Seinfeld here. reference. <laughs> but worlds are colliding here, Jerry. Worlds are colliding here. <laughs> and so I think that's, you know, really it sets that scene. So it really is a cool transition. And I think they did a, you know, on the editing room, they did a really great job of melding these two together to create this scene. Right. And the biggest thing, and as we mentioned in our minute, Norrington asks Elizabeth for a moment alone. And I think we all read into what was happening there. We already know he fancies her. Now he wants a moment alone, but I'm not quite sure where that's going. You know, he just had his big thing. Maybe he wants to take her to the cotillion. He wants to give her a promise ring or whatever the heck he wants to do. Whatever they did back in the day. <laughs> he wanted to maybe gently caress her wrist. Uh, and so he says, you know, let's have a moment alone. And then, you know, as he's just promoted, but he says he's still kind of missing something in his life. You know, something just isn't sitting right. And that's marriage. Mm-hmm. And from a logical perspective, I think, you know, this is a right move. And it's probably, he's probably already had a conversation with Governor Swan about this. I'm oh, sure. I would, I would imagine you know, so. Yeah. Said, hey, you mind, you know, because, well, he already knows that Norrington fancies her. So mm-hmm. they've already been talking about it. I don't know if Elizabeth just found out when her 
dad said that or told her that or maybe she already knew or was maybe just ignoring him as she dreamt of will all the time do you think elizabeth just found out that norrington fancies her no because her dad told her yeah that's what i'm talking about so oh when when governor swan presents her with the dress and says you know Uh. norrington fancies you or he fancies you or however he said it do you think that's when she just she found out that he likes her or has she been maybe ignoring his advances or the little subtleties? What do you think? Well, this goes back to, we don't know how often they've seen each other. That's right. But I would say if they see... Yeah, I it, think we did discuss, we don't know how often they've seen each other, if he's been away right. and all that. When's yeah. the last time? Or, But I would say if they've seen each other, he's a little stiff though. Yeah. But if they see each other on a regular basis or if they've seen each other recently, I would say she has to know that he fancies her. He just would probably throw off, throw that vibe out and, you know, and I would say they've seen each other recently. Yeah. You know, so she probably knows. That's what I was on. I'm either wondering that she just found out. Yeah. Because I was like, or has she just been ignoring him? You know, she's dreaming of Will, which is kind of her, yeah, who, who, her, where her interests really lie. She really doesn't want Norrington to fancy her. She'd rather have Will fancying her. Well, that's why I was wondering because this whole situation, it's then he's like, "Hey, can I have a moment alone?" Mm-hmm. And then he's starting to drop this big bomb on her, like, "Hey, I've just got promoted, but what's missing from my life with my new promotion and the way that my, everything I've laid out in life is heading." You know, married. And so I'm just wondering, you know, how, how often have they seen each other? Right. And, you know, because to me, it's almost like if, if they haven't really had that much interaction and he's here and she's hearing it from her dad first, it's like essentially, hello. Hey, my name is Norrington, Miss Swan. <laughs> care to get hitched? You know? Yeah. After, after they just met. I'm not sure, you know, like you see other movies around this era and I'm not sure how much the time the women and men spent together. That's you know true. what I mean? Yeah, like with the they kind of go in separate rooms and different stuff. But uh, you would still think that he'd give her glances or say things to her or, you know, give little hints here and there, you know, when they're at functions well, just the, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, just the mannerisms. I mean, yeah. it's like you don't, you know, have a moment alone that's. You know, that right there is just one signal for sure. Right, Plus, exactly. Plus, when her dad says fancies her, she's got to be expecting something. Right. Or at least that they're, you know, he's going to be trying to court her. And then when they're walking away, it kind of looks like they're, her dad is kind of not trying, trying not to pay attention. He's kind of talking to a group of people and he's trying not to pay attention. Oh, so he's... You know, so he, like, he's like, oh, I'm just, I know what's going on, but I'm going to pretend that I don't know what's yeah. going on. So he's going to seem distracted and not paying attention, but right. really that's his focus as yeah. eyeballing this whole situation to marry off his daughter, Elizabeth. Yeah, you kind of see him in shadowed yeah. area of the little courtyard thing or whatever they're in. And by the way, it's shaded. And, <laughs> and so it's got to be a little cool and it's all stone. So it's got to be cooler in there yeah. <laughs> out in the courtyard. Yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> She's dying of heat. Uh-huh. And she finally gets like, hey, we're under some of the the stonework here. And there's right. a nice shaded area where everybody else is hanging out. Yeah, except the musicians. Yeah, the musicians are put, you know, sitting out in the sun. And then she's like, oh, my God, he's got to talk to me. And we got to go out, out in the here. sun. Yeah. 
But, you know, when he pops that, he doesn't really pop the question yet. He just says that something missing, you know, right. marriage and that you're a fine woman. Is I think that's where it kind of ended, wasn't it? So when he says that and he, he starts to drop that hint that you're a fine woman, mm-hmm. I think that she gets and that he talked already about the marriage thing. Like, hey, this is missing. She gets that look of like, holy proposals, Batman. <laughs> this is coming. Yeah. You know? and, and yes, everyone, that's my second Batman reference this week so yes. far. And we're in the third minute of this week. So that's pretty good, I think. I think that and then I think there's three since we've started the whole thing, you know, with pirates and maybe the forerunners of Batman's utility belt. So I'm on a real roll here with Batman references. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. If we have a couple Seinfeld this yeah, week. <laughs> if anybody else is keeping track on that. that Harry Potter. <laughs> we're, we're, we're rolling deep in, in references this the week. The office. <laughs> yeah, so I think she's saying like, oh my God, I already am having trouble breathing. I got the heat and now you're going to drop this giant thing on me when I was just excited to see Will. Right. But... Go ahead. So I was going to say, actually, about her having problems breathing and and the whole thing. She is walking up these stairs, and it's looking like she is having a tough time walking up the stairs, right? Yeah, she right? does a great job on the acting. Oh, yeah. I Well, I think, you know, we heard some behind-the-scenes footage of her talking uh-huh. about the, wearing the corset, and she did not find it comfortable. Oh, no. They said even in the beginning when she was walking... They had her do the stairs in the house multiple times. She almost passed out there. See, so I think that there's a lot of realism in what's going on with her. She is not necessarily having to fake it, or at least that there's a little bit of uncomfort there that she can play off of that and really deliver a great performance. Yeah. And it just made me want to go out and get a corset again to to, to wear. Uh, You're wearing it now. What are you talking about? (laughs) That's true. But mine's more comfortable. I'm I'm breathing okay. That's the thing. So, and so she's having difficulty climbing these stairs and she's leaning up against this, I don't know what you'd call it. It's a wall of some sort. The stone wall of the fort? Yeah. Okay. We'll take that. And then, you know, and she's kind of, you know, breathing funny and kind of making funny, funny faces. And when he says that she looks beautiful today, she kind of does this funny laugh and like this smile Uh, uh that wasn't even real. You know, it's like, <laughs> and then kind of goes back to concentrating on her breathing. And he doesn't seem to notice that she's having all these difficulties. And so my question is, is that because of the um, time? Was he not supposed to ask, are you okay? Or you seem to be acting a little weird? Or did he just not notice? That is exactly what I had in my notes. Mine was... What is with this guy? That's exactly what I had in my notes. What is with this guy? And I'm starting to wonder if he is blind to any and all cues that a woman throws out. Maybe. You know, first, and we can go back to our, you know, some of the first few minutes. He can't see that she's hiding the medallion behind her back. Yeah. You know, and I thought this was his lack of experience with children, maybe, that he was not able to recognize this common maneuver kids do. And it's like really obvious and it's not very sly. They think they're trying to get away with something and they think that the adults can't tell that you're hiding something right there. Hello. But and he doesn't say anything about it. And we no. said, okay, you know what? Maybe he's distracted by all that's going there on. There's a, a burning merchant ship. And so he didn't see it. He has to make sure that everything's okay. There could be a pirate ship out here if it wasn't pirates. There could be people in the water. So he's distracted. Okay. Yes. Or maybe he hasn't had any experience with kids. And he didn't really recognize this maneuver. Maybe this is a maneuver 
that kids do in the 19th or the 20th century that well, in 21st century that we know maybe this is a new phenomenon and kids didn't really do that back then or, or it was that they really weren't hiding something that was pr- kind of prim and proper to that's have what you mentioned yeah so i don't know but now with this and her breathing as you mentioned her struggling and the her faces and the heat i think he just can't or he doesn't really pay attention to women or something her. yeah because there's no, there's nothing to distract him here except his own thoughts so it's not like he's got a lot going on except what he's thinking and what he's thinking is very important <laughs> to him i understand but dude she's looking she's looking ill <laughs> yeah she's obviously dying yeah and there's the heat <laughs> there's the corset he may not know the reasons why she's dying. Right. But she's dying. Because he doesn't know the womanly clothing issue thing going on. I don't know what but, it is, but, but you can tell she's dying. Oh, yeah. And he should have seen that there's an issue here. <laughs> and it's like, open your eyes, man. You can't Again. climb the stairs, woman. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like either that or he's completely distracted yet again. And maybe, again, as I'm saying, the Commodore position is not really the best suited for him. <laughs> he, if he needs to pay attention to details, he's missing the boat oh, here. Oh, yeah. Big time. And Elizabeth clearly is not a priority. I'm starting to wonder, is it really Elizabeth? Or is it the idea that this is part of his plan that he's going to get married? So he's going to be Commodore. He needs to find a wife. And then he needs to progress on his timeline. And Elizabeth just happens to be that lady of interest. She also is a good-looking lady. And he's thinking, okay, she's the in the governor, right she's class. in the aristocracy. Yeah. And, you know, all that high society stuff, Governor Swan's daughter. So it's like, this is just a perfect match. And so I, I think he's he's just so in his own mind about that. And maybe he's nervous because I think he also mentioned that he's nervous too. Yes, he did. Uh, and so that could part of be it. But again, now we're seeing something build up here. He's leaving the two stooges on the dock to guard their fastest ship in the fleet. He didn't see Elizabeth hiding the medallion. And now he didn't see that she, his future bride that he wants is about to keel over from heat. <laughs> and of course, he should at least be asking, are you okay? You know, are you okay there? Would you like, would you like some tea? How about some glass of water? <laughs> yeah. Somebody with a wig, get her some tea. <laughs> Let's get this woman into some shade. Yeah, it's like, can somebody go to the future and get us some dang ice cubes? We need some ice cubes here, stat. How about a parasol? <laughs> something. Yeah, so he... Or about somebody fanning her, you he's, know. He's missing the boat on that for sure. So I think that there's something there. and Or he's just so in his own mind. He's so into his own plan. Because he is a really regimented person. Yeah. He's by the book. Yeah. He says he's going to do something, he does it. I think that, you know, it's all part of that pomp and circumstance stuff. Uh, I think he's just, you know, like, this is what I'm planning to do and what I'm mm-hmm. supposed to do. And now I'm going to do it and move forward. And he doesn't see those little steps. Right. He's very focused on what he's, what his goal is here. And that's to make Elizabeth his wife. But he doesn't, so he doesn't see all the little tiny details. It's possible that he's already had the conversation with Governor Swan and, and he's got his approval. He's thinking this is in the bag. I'm just gonna, I'm a little nervous. I'm going to get this out of the way. Maybe she's really nervous too because she's talked to her father. I don't know. But I'm still leaning towards he doesn't really pay attention to those little things. He's missing out on some of the details here. Well, this is just formality then. He's, he's yeah. asked the dad. The dad's approved. So it's all going to happen. So this is just formality. That's what I'm thinking. I think he's really in that regimented mode and everything else is just, he's just has a blind eye to it, at least at this stage. You know, he's just missing everything here. 
Yeah. He, Come oh, on, yeah. man. Please open your eyes. So they're both looking a little stiff, uncomfortable. Well, obviously she's uncomfortable. She's hot. She's not feeling well. She's ready to croak right there. But he's really stiff and uncomfortable. Is that his normal character? Or is that... Um, I think that's the clothes talking. You know, no, just... I think that's his... No- <laughs> Anybody dressed like that, yeah. you have to talk like that. As soon as you put those clothes on, you automatically get a British accent and you automatically start talking in high society kind of terms and having the prim proper language and all that. Speaking of Jack Davenport, I have a couple facts on him. Perfect. His father is actually Nigel Davenport, who starred... That rings a bell. Does it? No. (laughs) He starred in perhaps the last really fine pirate movie. Do you know what that is? I do not. Oh, man. It's a high wind in Jamaica. I haven't heard of it. It's a 1965 film. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'll check it out. So this was kind of, you know, his dad was in this last pirate movie you know the the last real good pirate pirate movie and so jackson or yeah jack davenport's in this one so this will be a good one too right that's what it should be that's an interesting connection that his father was actually in a pirate movie and now he is in a pirate movie himself it's pretty cool to see that happen yeah right it's kind of it's pretty cool and um as far as jack davenport he feels that Norrington's job is to bring light where there's dark, an air freshener where pirates have vacated. <laughs> <laughs> it's a direct quote. <laughs> well, he's definitely I found that kind of funny. He's definitely bringing, you know, as he would say, for the British rule, light into that piracy, which would be the dark era. So it is a good and and bad play, I think, on words there. At least from his point of view, he wants to rid the world of piracy. So that is his vow for sure. And then air freshener where pirates are vacated. Apparently they need air freshener. And that's what gets (laughs) back to that quote that we heard from Johnny Depp where he was joking around saying that even the extras that were playing that stopped bathing and they really started to smell like pirates. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that's all I have for this minute. Me too. I think we... Did that justice, and so we'll go from there. So let's wrap it up, and we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 16 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Thank you. for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. If you like the show, then leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash pirates of the Caribbean Minute, twitter.com slash blackpearlmen, and on soundcloud.com slash pirates of the Caribbean where we post additional content, have episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags.